and welcome to not only 2023 but also the first episode of Haunted Histories for this new year. For those of you who are listening and if it's still January when you're listening because I think I've worked out you can still say this up to about the end of January. Happy New Year. If you're listening and it's not January, um, I hope you're having a good New Year. So yeah and if you're listening and it's 2024 January and you're a year late listening to this podcast, Happy New Year for 2024 and so on and so forth. I could do this intro forever. I'm not going to because I've got a very good friend of mine as my guest for this show and it's it was something that I hadn't actually planned to talk about and right now she's being molested by a cat on screen you can't actually see this unless I put it into the the the, the YouTube reel but yeah she has a cat sitting across her chest right yeah, you might hear the purring through the audio because <laughs> she's right next to my mic <laughs> <laughs> it is the lovely Miss Liz Cormel how are you doing miss I'm good, thank you very much. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I still feel bad that when we met, I mean, we've been speaking for quite a lot of few years, but when we met yes. for the first time at the festival in March, you're going, hi, and I'm like, hello, who are you? <laughs> and it didn't dawn on me who you were straight away. I kind of expect people to know who I am. I wander up to people and go, hello, and then... <laughs> then that's if I recognize people because I've had people do the same to me walk up Mm. to me and go oh hi Liz and I'm like hi (laughs) (laughs) and we've been friends on Facebook for years and then yeah don't recognize the face so no that that I felt so I had a few people do that to me they go I've been following you on Facebook for about three years okay thanks (laughs) I know them now yes but at the time I had so many people come and go hello Penny and I'm just like who are you yeah (laughs) it's Facebook it's social media isn't it it's putting names to faces yeah very much so very much so but yeah because we met properly for the first time earlier the well last year um at the the festival of the unexplained and like I say you've always been very sort of um interactive with the haunted histories stuff yes I try to be you have got quite a few talents you've got quite a few sort areas of expertise but one of them that I only really really just found out about Christmas was what we're going to be talking about on this yes. show. And I found out about this because I had put up just in the run up to Christmas. Um, if you haven't, don't follow the page. I'd been putting up a load of posts that had a link to Christmas. And one of the ones I put up and it was typical tongue in cheek. I was being sarcastic was that William the Conqueror was actually coronated on Christmas Day. Now, I didn't actually put in loads of detail that his um, his soldiers actually thought there was a riot going on rather than a celebration and decided to destroy loads of stuff as a result. But that that's a whole other story. I think the joke I made was it was bad enough getting my kids to wait until 7am to open their Christmas presents. Yes. Imagine what his would have been like. No, no, you've got to wait for daddy to get his crown and then we may let you open some. But you turned around and said, I wish Harold Hadrada had been king rather than William the Conqueror. Yes. And I came back with that question that some people love me asking and other people's going, no, why? <laughs> mm-hmm. And we started chatting about the two, the difference between the two. And that's yes. when I found out that you were an archaeologist. Who I knew you did the archaeology, but I didn't know you specialised in Viking. Viking and Saxon, history. yeah. Mm. Hence, I thought, yeah. let's do a show on Vikings, because I guarantee there's an awful lot that people don't know about them or oh, yeah. a bit like I get with workhouses that I want to correct yes their misinterpretation or, or, or misunderstanding 
Yes. So let's carry on with our argument while your cat sort of wipes your makeup <laughs> off your face with her tail. His tail, her tail? Her tail. Her. her tail. Why do you think Harold Hadrada, well, who was he? And why do you think he would have made a better ruler of England than William the Conqueror? Um, well, they, they're, they're both Viking in origin. Mm-hmm. William the Conqueror was Norse, Norsemen, Norman. Um, that's where that comes from. So they were actually very distantly related. Um, Harold Hardrider was a Norwegian Viking and um, uh, William the Conqueror was Danish mm-hmm. Viking um, lineage. And they both were kind of brought up in the same kind of traditions, the same legal framework. Um, William came across because he thought he'd been promised the throne, as you probably know, um, in an understanding with um, Edward the Confessor. Harold thought he had a claim to the throne due to his lineage, Mm -hmm. which he did. Mm -hmm. Um, It was almost as strong as Harold Godwinson's. Um, And he came across, he was the one, Harold Godwinson marched all the way up to the north of England to fight. They had a battle. Harold Godwinson won the battle and then William um, invaded and Harold Godwinson marched all the way back down to the south of England to fight William the Conqueror. Mm -hmm. If Harold Hardrada hadn't invaded, I think Harold Godwinson would have won the Battle of Hastings because his troops were absolutely knackered. They'd been Mm -hmm. marching for a week and fought a full pitch battle. Why I think Harold Hardrada would have been a better king was he wouldn't have come in and imposed a different way of life and tried to wipe out the Saxon way of life like William did. William got rid of all the Saxon nobility. He got rid of the Saxon church rulers, all apart from three bishops. Um, A lot of the Saxon cathedrals were demolished and Norman cathedrals were built in their place. He wanted to stamp his authority he came in and was wiping the slate clean Harold Hardrada on the other hand would have fitted into the current way of life the Saxon way of life the Saxons would have carried on as equals to the Vikings and it would have been a lot a lot of an easier transition I think than the um the 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 Norman conquest but wasn't wouldn't the reason that William did what he did have been control because if he comes in and says no you're going to do it my way it's like when you get a new boss at work yes some of them will come in and say no that way's shit we're not doing it that way anymore this is the way this is my plan for the future I am turning this into my company not the one you had and then you might get another boss who comes in who says well actually that bit's quite good but that bit's rubbish let's get rid of that bit let's pull this bit in let's change it, it, it's it's a common way of 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 leadership and and so I, I get what you're saying I do I do I'm just playing devil's advocate here yeah I, I have no feelings towards William the Conqueror either way apart from the fact he built some rather nice buildings which I quite like yes he did around. <laughs> I mean let's face it he built the Tower of London he built yeah. Norwich Castle he built York Castle he built Richmond Castle I mean you know I can I could I could go on with the amazing buildings he left us um, and having visited his birthplace in Falaise in Normandy, 
I do kind of feel a bit sorry for him. I mean, being known as William the Bastard. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not surprised. Um he he sort of got a bit feisty, shall we say, because he had something yeah. to prove. <laughs> I mean, you know, just yes. from a psychological perspective. But Harold Hadrada wasn't completely innocent i mean he when wasn't it scarborough when scarborough wouldn't yield to him when he because he evaded north yes he just burnt the whole town down killed everyone yeah but having said that about um about 100 years before that the english the english king the saxon king had decided he was going to wipe out the whole of the viking population of york and he just massacred them all he rounded right. everybody up who'd got viking lineage um and killed everybody right. um men women and children um there's several mass graves up in yorkshire where bodies have been found dumped down wells they've right. been thrown in pits um so he was kind of taking a bit of a revenge for that in a way i would guess um and i totally take your point about leadership you have to be shown to be in control mm. you have to stamp your mark and go right this is how things are going to be done but yeah I take your point about the stone buildings we'd probably been building in stone for another 200 years if um we'd we'd have had wooden yeah castles and wooden cathedrals lots of baileys um, if, and all that kind of stuff yeah, yeah if the vikings had, had, had survived um but then we had Canute a bit later on um so the vikings did come back and make make their mark so it would have been more of an easy transition, I think, and and the continuity would have been a lot easier for the, the for everyday people. Mm. Um, for a start off, they wouldn't have had to learn another language, yeah. um, because the Norman French came in and went. Well, we're now talking Norman French. Everything's written down in Latin, but everybody's speaking Norman French. Mm. Well, your local peasant never learnt Norman French. Um, they'd have been st still speaking Anglo-Saxon. Um, well, actually, talking, so, fast forwarding a few hundred years there, um, I, I'm I'm a fan of Richard III. I do actually think mm -hmm. Richard III is much maligned. Now, he was one who changed the rules and said that things had to be printed in English so that those people who didn't speak French or Latin could actually understand it because the, the royals still, even in the 15th century, were speaking in French or publishing yes. in French or Latin. And he was the one that said, no, publish it in their language so that they can actually read yes. a lot of this stuff, which I think, you know, when people say what a nasty person he was, all right, it took 400 years for them to realise, but to do that, um, and even then the literacy rates wouldn't have been great, but that's not the point. He was trying to sort of make things more accessible to the average person, Um rather than sort of keep it that, you know, almost keep people down by the fact they can't understand what's being said. I mean, wasn't uh, bringing in, would you not say though for William the Conqueror, and I know we're not talking specifically about William the Conqueror, but do you not think that part of the reason he, he brought that in and said, well, we're going to speak a different language, it was to keep people down. It was so that they could oh, yes. understand what, it was kind of a uh, an authoritarian Oh, totally. Um, and if you killed a Saxon, if you were a Norman who killed a Saxon, oh, well, never mind. If you were a Saxon who killed a Norman, on the other hand, you had to play, pay blood money, mm. which is how the Saxons lived anyway. If if I killed one of your family, 
to stop a blood feud going down through the generations and tit for tat murders, yeah. you play paid blood money. And the Saxons were used to this. The Vikings were used to this. It was the the their legal system. Um, but when when the Normans came over, the Saxons didn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Your average everyday person, like we would have probably been, we didn't matter anymore. We could be killed just for looking at a Norman wrong, mm-hmm. and it didn't matter. Um, so there was an awful lot of bad blood between mm-hmm. the Saxons and the Normans, which I don't think would have been there had Harold Hadrada taken the right. rule and certainly wouldn't have done if Harold Godwinson had. Well, we mentioned um, Harold Godwinson. For people who don't know who Harold Godwinson is, you might actually recognise him more by King Harold who got killed by an arrow in his eye. At the allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. And um, when I was younger, when I was about 18, 19, this rock band I used to follow around, they actually had a song called and this is how it was. Ari got an arrow. They were Londoners. And the song was called Ari got an arrow in his eye. And because bands like Iron Maiden used to write a lot of historicals to do, write a lot of yes. historical songs, this band sort of looked up to them and they wrote this song called Harry got an arrow. And it, it was all about King Harold purportedly getting the arrow in his eye in, Hastings, <laughs> in the Battle of Hastings. And actually, that's how I kind of learned about it, because I was like, what earth are you writing about? They were like 20 years older than me. And so they said, go off and read up on it. So I did. But the interesting thing is about King Harold, he's got very, very strong links to Essex. In fact, his manor was Waltham, Waltham Abbey, Mm. well, now known as Waltham Abbey, but the manor of Waltham. And there is a a pub in in Hoping Forest, and this is part I've written about this in my new book that I'm in the process of trying to get finished. Um, (laughs) And it's called The King's Oak. And there's all these mm. rumours that it's called the King's Oak because it's the oak tree that was in front of it was where Henry VIII sat waiting to hear the guns go off to indicate that Anne Boleyn had been executed. And that's a common myth you hear. Now, I've I've looked into this. I've spoken to Tudor historians and they've all said, no, that's a load of rubbish. He was at Westminster because he then yeah. went up the river to where um, Jane was uh, yes. with manor houses. In, I think it was in Chelsea something like that. Anyway, they said, no, there's no way he was in Epping Forest. Anyway, I started dig- digging more into it. And then, because there is, Queen Victoria actually created Epping Forest. And this is really digressing and it probably is really boring, <laughs> but it has got a link to what we're talking about. Queen Victoria actually did a big address in front of this pub, the King's Oak, when they opened up Epping Forest as a public land. So they deforested it. They oh yeah, away from the nobles. Um, and there's a big oak tree there that was planted in her honour. And people think that's why. But actually, I found pictures from 100 years before that of a decrepit oak tree that's kind of gnarled and fallen down. And that was known as King Harold's Oak. Uh-huh. And that's why they think it's called the King's Oak, because King Harold's Oak stood in front of it. Um, so... I quite like that fact and the fact that Harold he did actually before he died he'd actually bestowed a lot of money on Waltham Waltham, the Abbey of Waltham and there's Mm. a quite a big monument to him in the church there and there is a rumour that's where his remains are buried in Ah. Abbey Church because he was say he was an Essex boy yeah yeah I quite sort of and I didn't know that until I started researching for this new book so it's uh, quite a cool link so when you hear us talking about harold godwinson we're actually talking about king harold who died at the battle of hastings fighting and is depicted on the bayer tapestry and 
all that yes stuff. which one is harold is it the one that harold happens to fall across the 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 name harold is on there harold rex and the whole reason everybody thinks he ha- had an arrow in the eye was because an arrow the little figure yeah the little figure underneath where it says harold rex mm. has an arrow coming out of his face we don't know if that is harold or not um mm. everybody just kind of assumes it is yeah but is there is there anything that <sighs> Is there anything that documents the Vikings? I mean, we you know, we have things like the Bayer Tapestry. Obviously, that's a bit... In theory, I suppose you've got William the Conqueror, Viking, but I'm talking about before him. Is there anything like that? That How do you, as an, as an archaeologist and a historian, looking into the Vikings and the Saxons, what's your evidence? What's your... You know, so if I'm if I'm looking at workhouse stuff, I'll be looking at the workhouse registers, I'll be looking at the various Polar Acts... Mm. Or what do you use in that? From from a Viking point of view, there isn't anything contemporary because they weren't writing anything down. The first actual written evidence we have is the poetic Edda and the prose Edda, right. who um, it was that was written down from the um, the verbal storytelling because the Vikings were very big storytellers. Mm-hmm. A guy called Snorri Sörlesson actually wrote it down in the early 13th century so this is like three four hundred years after the mm. viking heyday um we do have contemporary um evidence written down of viking raids so the anglo-saxon chronicles talk about the viking raids on the monasteries lindisfarne um and um york um it's all recorded in the anglo-saxon chronicles but in terms of actual written evidence, that's it. Mm. Um, the Romans talked about them a little bit because they were knocking around when the Roman Empire was around. Um, it's basically making up, I say making up, do- joining the dots from archaeology mm. and looking at cultural um, parallels. Mm-hmm. A lot of Viking culture is still around in Iceland. Oh. And Snorri Sturluson was actually an Icelandic king and poet. Um, and he he knew all these Viking sagas and legends that had been passed down through the 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 the, the stories that had been told around the fireside. Mm-hmm. And he decided that they needed recording. So that's where we know about Thor and um Odin and all the all the Marvel legends and the the stuff that's on the TV show Vikings. That's an interweaving from the the prose and the poetic ever and the Anglo-Saxon chronicles. Oh right, okay. I mean I know that with ancient history, one of my close friends, she studied Charlemagne for her oh. degree. And she said she liked the fact there wasn't much primary evidence. Yes. Yeah, Whereas that's what me, appealed to me from the oh, archaeology for me, point of I'm view. just like, no, I need to find it. I need to find it. That's probably why I do 1800s onwards. If you mentioned about Vikings and the fact that the chap, I can't remember, you said his name was Icelandic. Snorri Sturluson. That's the one. I always want to say sorry, sorry, Anderson or something like, or, you know, angry Anderson. <laughs> sorry, yes. Sturluson. Is... That did they call themselves Vikings or did they call themselves something else? And were they all from the same country? They were Norse. That's the tradition, the culture was Norse. What does that and mean? That, that covered Sweden, Norway, Denmark, Finland, bits of northern Germany, 
bits of what we now know as Russia. Um, so anybody who came from that cultural background right. were Norsemen, which is why we end up with Norman. It's the 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 um the change in the the language is from Norsemen to Nor to Norman, where okay. the, they were men from the north, basically. Mm. Um, so Northern so Europe, anywhere Northern Europe, basically Northern Europe, yeah, Scandinavia. Yeah. What we know of Scandinavia, Denmark, and a bit bit of Norman, uh, Northern Germany, okay. um, but they they travelled so far around the world. I mean, there's a little section in the TV show Vikings where Ragnar's son um Björn takes off his takes his followers off and they go to um Turkey and um northern Africa and there's a little section where one of them's carving runes into the town walls and there is actually viking we call it viking um graffiti on one of the town walls in northern Africa so that is based in fact so they were there as traders. They were there to see, A, what the political setup was and did they have a chance of getting a foothold and power there? And B, all the amazing stuff that they could buy from there, like saffron and different types of stones. And um, they could trade furs because obviously in Africa, there, there weren't furs. Um, but up in Norway and Finland and whatever, they, they obviously, that they were traders. Um, so they weren't rapists and pillagers and there, there was a certain amount of rape and pillage that went on um, like most invading armies the reward for the common soldier was to go and take their fill from the um from the locals oh. okay. so that happened all the way through i mean second world war that happened yeah <laughs> you take over a village um you're a bunch of men mainly men because they're adrenaline fueled yeah, mm. they they haven't had a woman for however many months because they've been at sea and the shield maidens were well off off limits because they'd lose their heads. Um, what was a shield maiden? A female soldier. Oh, so they had female soldiers? There are There is actual burial evidence of female sol Viking warriors um, in Bergen um, and... Um, there's, there's three or four different cemeteries where they have found female skeletons. We now know they are female um, mm. because of forensic advances buried with swords, shields and all the accoutrements of a warrior. The one I found that I found quite interesting on that is, is it Ber Berker, a grave? And it was originally discovered in yeah. 1889 and they didn't realise it was a female warrior. It's only more recently um, yes. There still are uh, uh, historians saying, well, actually, no, she might not have been a warrior. She, she might just have been high up. But she was actually buried with a game that was a bit like chess. And apparently that yes. was meant to indicate that she was a strategic thinker. A leader. Yeah. Yeah. And I found that amazing because even now, Scandinavia is so far ahead when it comes to how women are treated yes. in society. And how equally, you know, if, if maternity and paternity leave is, it's interchangeable there. If if the woman wants to go back to work after a week, the husband gets a year's paternity leave to to, or the yeah. father, sorry, of the child, and and yes. and you know things like that. So they it it, it goes back two thousand in effect two thousand years. That kind of women are just equality. As, 
valuable. Yes. And the um, equal opportunities for people who were identified as a different gender, because that's the other thought about the, the woman from Birka, is that she was a cross-dresser. Um, there is a lot of evidence in the pose and the prose and the poetic ether of Loki being interchangeably male or female. It's almost transgender. Yes, he was a shapeshifter. Right. And he actually fathered Slipnir. Well, right. gave birth, actually gave birth to Slipnir. So as a female horse, uh-huh. had his end away with a male horse, a stallion, and gave birth to Slipnir. So Loki... Oh, I would love to see Tom Hiddleston act that one out. <laughs> oh, Tom. <laughs> yes. There's there's various different accounts of Loki appearing as a woman. Um and like quite a pretty woman. Men. Tom Hiddleston, he's got the cheek, he could be quite pretty as yeah. a woman. He's got yeah. nice legs. Yeah. Yeah, or Benedict Cumberbatch as well. He'd 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 fit the part as well. No, but I'm thinking Tom plays Loki, doesn't he? So yes, yeah. <laughs> there'd be quite a new storyline for them. Yes. But um a lot of the um there's there's evidence that there's a lot of the um the high up scouts, the witches mm-hmm. were crossdressers. They were somebody who didn't fit into the boxes of, of male, female. Almost non-binary who was, is weird now, call it. Yes. They they were different. So they were seen as having some kind of um more close links to the gods because the gods weren't male, female. The Aesir and the Daesir who were in they they're kind of under gods they're the next layer down from so the valkyries were Aesir um so they're the next level down from Thor and Odin and Hel right. um the valkyries they tend to be depicted as women mm. that's a victorian thing the victorians mm-hmm. had a great thing going back and looking back at um their chivalric their 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 warrior class thing right um so they depicted britannia is supposedly based on one of the valkyries i can kind of see that yeah yeah um which is why that or an amazon type warrior type sort of yes but the the amazonian yeah shield Mm. maiden Mm. but they weren't they were kind of non-binary they weren't necessarily female as we think of as woman they were non-binary they were in between they were both like loki they could be either or they were a spiritual being that didn't necessarily take the form of one gender one sex do you think that's why places like scandin the scan and i'm t- I'll, I'll cover it as scandinavia and i know it includes yeah. other countries as well because i i know a few danish people are- do you think this is why they are so open-minded because yes. it's just been you know, even for those who are now Christian, it's been drummed into them almost from their DNA. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I do. And that's why they were so open to shield maidens, female warriors who didn't want to be stuck at home with the kids. They wanted to go out and make their own mark. They wanted to be up there with the with the with the lads, be one of the lads. They wanted to rule their own tribe. Um, they don't want to be stuck at home looking after the kids on the farm while everybody else was having adventures. They so wanted to go Viking. At, when we look at Thor, Marvel's Thor here, yes. for, for a lot of us, I've never watched the Vikings television show. 
I, I must admit, Vikings has never actually interested me that much. It's, I have enough other history that I want to learn about, <laughs> but I do like to to to. It's it's interesting listening to to you. And if we talk about Marvel's Thor, which is a lot of us are exposed. I mean, my dog's yes. called Loki because <laughs> he's a little git at times, and that's what I think of yes. as Loki. He hasn't shape shifted on me yet, but but when you come down and he's a cat or a horse. <laughs> lion i think would be quite close to what he'd like he'd like the power yeah mm. but most of his marvel is our introduction to this kind of thing yes so in a way they are historically accurate by by thor having i think it's lady sith as one of his warriors yes they would have had a woman women who didn't sort weren't women in the hello babe i want to go go out with you they were i may have boobs but I'm still a warrior. It, it yes. was a... I'm still a badass and I can t- still take your head off if you piss me off. Yeah. So did they did they come out with the... You're saying that the, it was the Victorians who turned the Valkyries female. What was the purpose of the myth of the Valkyries then, if, if it wasn't to because say we that had... women can do this as well? well? Well, it was partially because we had a queen. And it no, was I mean, give... before, the, the, the Viking point of the Valkyries, oh. not so much Victoria's. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Victoria was pretty badass herself. But then again, so was Queen Elizabeth 300 years beforehand. But what was the Viking, what was the point of the Vikings in, uh, uh, the Valkyries in Norse mythology? The Valkyries, their main job was to take the warriors who'd been killed in battle to, to Valhalla. So the Vikings basically believed if you died in battle, you went to Valhalla, Mm -hmm. which was the the feasting hall of Odin. You all day you battled, you killed each other and then you went back to the hall and you feasted with all the guys that you'd killed in battle in life. Um, And then you kind of had a great old time. It was basically one big Viking party. Sounds a bit like a rugby game. And yes. you know why I'm thinking that, for anyone listening, thinking I've actually lost the plot. When you play rugby, men or women, you beat the living crap out of each other on the pitch. Yes. Absolutely. You know, they're, they're, all right, there are rules. Huh? But yeah. you know, if you accidentally stand on someone's foot because they've fallen in the ro- wrong way in a ruck, that's their fault. Yes. After the game, when you're in the bar and you're having your meal, you're all friends. It's a respect thing. Yeah. It's a you're a warrior and I can respect your abilities as a warrior, even if I've just mashed you to bits on the pitch or in battle. I respect that you've got the courage, you've got the skill and I know I'm going to meet you in Valhalla. Mm -hmm. And if I've been a bastard to you in battle and I've taken your weapon out of your hand so you can't get to Valhalla, I'm going to suffer because all your mates are going to. If I, once I get to Valhalla, your mates aren't going to respect me. So to get so to Valhalla, you had to thing. die with your weapon in your hand? Yes. So if you were an ancient warrior, so you were in your 40s, 50s, which was bloody old for that mm-hmm. that time, If you didn't want to die of old age. You didn't want to yeah. die in your bed. You wanted to die in battle. And there's a section in the, again, referring back to the Vikings TV show, there's an old warrior who wants to go... with Ragnar to Britain because he wants to die in battle he knows he's going to die but he doesn't want to die quietly in his bed as an old man because he'd the the other place Vikings went to is if you didn't die in battle you went 
with hell. Now, hell wasn't a place. Hell was a goddess. And she, she like looked sister, um, Thor's yes. sister. Yes. Yeah. Um, Kate she Blanchett after... in the films. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, she looked after all the spirits who didn't go to Valhalla. So everybody who didn't die in battle or died in battle and had their weapon taken out of their hands, the the, the Valkyries couldn't find you if you weren't holding your weapon, whether that was a sword what or an axe. their arm had been chopped off? They well, you put you the put, weapon. They put the they put the weapon on the chest. Oh, okay. It was a it was a, a a mark thing. So, like, if you died and and you lost your sword was flung out of your hand as you died, the warrior who killed you would usually make sure you had a weapon really? on your chest or close by. Yeah. No. Um, Lord of the Rings. They do it in Lord of the Rings when um. Aragorn finds Boromir dying because he's got all the arrows in his chest at the end of the Return of the, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. He puts Boromir's sword in his hand and on his chest. So he dies as a warrior. Um, so that was that was your mark of respect as a warrior. If you killed somebody and noticed you'd been you disarmed your opponent, you'd make sure because that's how the Valkyries found you. Was would that have been what the Saxons would have done to Vikings? Yes, if they did. They had that. They did respect. Yes, because uh, if you look at the um, the gods, the Saxon gods and the Viking gods, they are parallel. Mm. They're pretty much the same. So Odin, the Saxons had Woden, hence Wednesday, Woden's Day. Mm-hmm. Frigga is a Viking and a um, and a Saxon goddess. Friday, Frigga's Day. Um, and they they basically aligned with like um, Frigga's um, Freyr and Frey and Frigg and Freyr are all fertility gods mm-hmm. and goddesses. So the Saxon, the Viking, it was all the same tradition. Um, they were quite closely was, linked. Yes, which oh. is why how Tolkien makes the distinction like he doesn't he he doesn't differentiate between Viking and Saxon lineage. He has men and they're kind of Viking and Saxon. So they're buried in mounds or chamber tombs or. So how did they, though some of the countries you mentioned they were from were landlocked countries. Yes. But they were seafarers. Yes. How did that happen? Basically you went Viking and going Viking was disappearing off trying to make your fortune finding fresh farming land because you can imagine scandinavia there isn't an awful lot of good farming land it's Mm. all fjords and mountains and very pretty um yes very pretty but crap if you're a farmer Mm. so back in the fifth century when the romans started losing their grip and power Mm -hmm. there was a whole movement of tribes from Eastern Europe, from Russia, from the Russian steppes, the Mongols started moving east. Mm-hmm. And that, sorry, west, that pushed all the other tribes further and further and further west. Basically, what happens was the Vikings and the Saxons got booted into the channel and ended up in Britain and Ireland um, because they'd lost their land and they were moving to find new land. So it kind of started a chain effect. So the Gugos and the Visigoths 
were invading Rome. They bumped the Roman Empire down. They yeah. ended up Char- basically Charlemagne yeah. um, and Italy. And then all the other tribes wanted to make their own mark and find the best farming land that they could. Because if they couldn't farm, they couldn't survive. They couldn't yeah. build their population. Yeah. So that's what the Vikings did or the Norsemen did. Uh-huh. They went Viking to find more riches to buy better things and good farming land. So were they weak compared to like the Romans and what the Romans achieved? They were less organised. Right. The Romans had one leader, Caesar, emperor, whatever it was, and everybody answered to Caesar. The Normans and the Saxons didn't get round to that until 9th, 10th century. Um, The whole thing about Vikings um, with Ragnar, they're trying to be king of the Vikings, basically, joining all the tribes together under one ruler. And that didn't happen in Britain, even. No, they didn't get Wessex, did they? Isn't it the county of Wessex they couldn't, which actually did have part of Essex, where I am, was in it. Yes, and Northumbria was Viking for a long time as well. That was Dane law. Because it's interesting that we we were talking before we came on air about Viking ghosts, and I was telling you about the one that's meant to be at Canvey Island. Now, Canvey Island is is kind of it's a bit of a bit of a joke, really, in Essex. It's kind of where all the refineries are, Um, and it is it's on a causeway, and it's only relatively recently that they've built such a high enough causeway that it doesn't get cut off as an island. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but there is meant to be a Viking ghost there that is seen by people every so often. He's meant to be six foot, quite angry, with red hair. Mm. Now, to me, that is the stereotypical Viking. I mean, shove a pointed helmet on him and you've got the stereotype, haven't you? Yes. Um, again, where... is Victorian. <laughs> is that where it comes from? So what, where did the pointed helmet... Because I remember one of the first things I ever learned when I started history was the Viking helmet, the horns bit, is a load of rubbish. Yes. Um, the You think of the Ride of the Valkyries in the Ring Cycle, the, the, the operatic story of Germanic mm. Scandinavian power. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was an operatic prop. It was to make you look bigger. Um, ah. Because the Saxons had helmets. I mean, you think of yeah. the Sutton Who helmet. Yeah. Beautifully... Um, ornate interlace with the boar's crest um, along the top. Mm -hmm. The Romans did it. They had horsehair plumes. Mm -hmm. It was to make you stand out on a battlefield. If you're sat on a horse or milling around in a group of men, you needed something to mark you out as the leader because otherwise your men don't know who's shouting the orders. So the vikings didn't have too much of that most of them didn't wear a helmet they wore a leather cap um there's loads of yes there's loads of examples of birka um another reason the vikings wanted to get into britain was we made amazing steel swords right viking steel was crap um the the composition wasn't hard enough so that's why they used axes because iron axes are quite heavy lumps of metal. They're not going to fall apart as soon as you hit anything. You... Is that where Mol- 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 Molinier came from? Molinier. To sort of, Molinier, sorry, to 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 sort of say to them, look, I know you think you need to use a sword, but if 
like the god of thunder uses a hammer or an axe i think you'll be all right with one it was not so much that it was it was their the peak of their technology right because they they did the vikings did have swords but if they came up against the romans or the saxons who had better steel your swords weren't much use because right. you'd take one blow on your blade and it would shatter right because the the viking the the saxon steel was a lot more because we had tin and copper mm. and iron in the british isles um saxon steel was brilliant it's almost if you think of the um the the japanese japanese and chinese um samurai swords mm -hmm. it wasn't quite as good but it was getting there mm. so in western europe the saxon steel was like the pinnacle the best steel the hardest the you could put the keenest edge on it so a saxon sword was was brilliant Must which is why it can't have been something oh, every single yeah. soldier would have been able to afford no um which is why the saxons used a lot of axes as well yeah and they had um daggers they had short swords the sax mm -hmm. um they were they were short swords and most people could could afford a sax right um and then you'd have your axe which didn't have to be like i said didn't have to be um the good steel because you've got a big lump in the head mm. and it's not as 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 fragile not as um it's not going to shatter if you take a blow on it um so but mulnir which i've got my odin's odin's um hammer um that was just his his symbol they thought that the thunderstorms were odin being pissed off not thor sorry thor um oh. <laughs> uh, yeah sorry thor's um odin had the um the lightning bolts yeah. and thor had his hammer so the thunder and lightning was odin and thor arguing um because you know what's funny? Vikings... when i was a kid we were told at school that thunderstorms was god and the angels arguing <laughs> so very similar i'm, I'm yeah. actually thinking there's there's another thing that re relates to um that almost like christianity's adopted <laughs> shall we say oh yes <laughs> okay i'm not going to go into everything because there's quite a lot i found but one of the things that interests me as well and i'm sorry to stop you there but i, I want to cover as much as possible <laughs> are runes yes i find runes quite interesting um and isn't it the the legend of the rune is that odin actually saw the runes in a desert or something in a in a vision yeah, it was not a desert as we think of it, as a sandy desert, a desert as in a place where nothing lived. So it would have been up in the Arctic Circle. So it would have been a snow desert rather than a sand desert. Um, so a bit like Moses getting the Ten Commandments. Exactly what I was going to say. It's like yeah. reading my mind there, Liz. That was exactly <laughs> the parallel I was going to say. Now, this belief system existed pre-Christianity, didn't it? Yes. So yeah. without offending people too much, which I probably am going to do, but <laughs> I'm just laying the question out. Is it that other religions have borrowed from older religions to make their religion? They've kind of done a hybrid. It was more to make it more acceptable. Oh. You, you imagine trying to convert people to Christianity, which is this brand new religion. Nobody's ever heard of your God before and your stories before. And a man who's, well, Odin, 
it was a, the 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 the, um, the Norse men believed that the gods walked amongst them, mm-hmm. um, and they'd come and give messages and and come and see people and alter their their, their life course. My door is open for Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> I think a lot of people's doors are open for Chris Hemsworth. Not because I want to jump him or anything like that. I just think he's hysterically funny. Yes. He's the kind of person that I would love. I, I, in fact, I think his wife's great as well. I would love to go out with him for a pint. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That that's kind of but yeah, my door is open if Chris Hemsworth <laughs> wants to walk through it right now. But yeah, the whole thing about God walking amongst the people as a man, that kind of interlinks as well. Um the if you're trying to make people adopt a new religion, you want to make it as similar to their old religion as possible. The mm-hmm. Romans did it when the Romans pre-Christianity, the Romans came and said, well, we've got a God like that. Look at Bath with Sullis Minerva. Um, Sullis and Minerva were two goddesses mm-hmm. of water. One was the Roman, one was the Celtic. And the Romans went, oh, look, this is our goddess. It's the same as your goddess. And it was a very, very clever political way of making your religion acceptable. So I've done a lot of research recently about pagan and Christian overlaps, churches built on pagan sites. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to get people to become Christian. So they're not going to a new place. They're going to the place that they always went to, to worship their gods. They're now just worshiping one God. And there's a few burials in the archaeological record where somebody's obviously converted to Christianity. They're then buried with a cross. Mm-hmm. Either them or their family are like, we need to hedge our bets just in case the old gods are still around. Mm-hmm. They'll throw like a Mulnir in there or something relating to one of the old gods. So they're hedging their bets because they're not quite sure about this new god yet. Um, wow. So... Yeah, it's and in fact, Pope Gregory the First, when he was sending out missionaries to convert people in Europe, said, "Use the old religious sites because they're more acceptable." Conniving. So it was a, it was actually a propaganda tool. Wow! Wow! So interweaving the pagan things for Christmas. Christmas is a huge one. Mm. The festival dates we're just celebrating a different God. Mm. It's exactly the same festival. It's just a different God with a different name. Mm. The other thing about runes was there's, there's someone I follow on TikTok, Scottish lady. She's, she's got a couple of rune tattoos. Um, Aurora. Yes. I know. I know she had a few as well. (laughs) She, um, and she did a feature not so long ago. She explained all the runes and one of the ones she's got, and I don't know if I pronounce this correct, is Othala, 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 Othala. Um, roll your R's is that I can't roll my R's so you'll have to do that for me Um, but she's got it on her face and she's had Mm. a lot of people accuse her of being a Nazi a white supremacist and all that kind of thing and she's like it's actually really hurtful to people who believe in this that this horrendously awful regime I mean it was obviously they've got uh, say it for me because I can't roll my R's yeah and the um so, so yes how that's said yeah um it's got a few different names hasn't it yes it's it's the protection the main protection one um strength energy to, health success similar to that one on my little finger there no i'm thinking of the one that made up the ss logo for the 
Nazis. Oh yes, yes. Similar to that one. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, but and she was saying that it's actually really offensive to people who believe in this, who who use runes, who you know, it's there. And and to be fair, I've I've seen same thing in in Chelmsford, our our county hall building has got symbols on it which look like the swastika. Yes, they were done before the Nazis yes. really took power. I mean, although saying that it was 1930, they were done. So there, there is a bit of a, but the, the architect said, no, it's, it's peace. It's, um, it's actually a Jewish symbol. The swastika. It goes, it goes even further. I think it's, it's yeah. got Hindu have used it in a different yeah. way. I think the ancient Greeks have used it as yeah. well. So it, but the thing is the Nazis were very, they did this. They, they took somebody else's symbol because they believed in all the sort of occult and everything else. They were really into the Norse and the the, the mm. Saxon mythology as well, mm. so it's it's not an accident that they've no. they've decided that they're going to pick their runes. Yeah, but how does someone like yourself, who is who is an open openly pagan, openly sort of Norse um, supporter, for want of a better term, how does it make you feel if if you showed someone one of your? Because I think you've got the Othal one haven't you that one yeah yeah how does it make you that one which is the one that's the one i'm thinking of yeah how does it make you feel if someone sees that and thinks it means that you're a nazi or a white supremacist or what would you tell them what would you say to them to educate them apart from i think i go back you know what i mean i i think i would go back to the origin of them i would go back to saying the the nazis were into that kind of tradition and they put a different meaning on what was already an, a pre-existing symbol um you you find it with words gay the word gay ha- now has a completely different meaning mm-hmm. to 70 100 years ago mm-hmm. and i think i find it not offensive i think it's a lack of education right um and i see it not as an opportunity to educate people because that sounds really patronizing no but it is an opportunity but, to to teach people that that everything yeah. as it first appears yeah. yeah and i when i went to michigan i had to be a bit careful about flashing my runes and my mulnir because over in america the neo-nazi and the proud boys and all those kind of people it is heavily right wing mm-hmm. and they're all very and the americans don't know of the Norse origin or very few of them do Mm. the only time they see it is in shows like the Vikings um and and you have to kind of you you have to be a bit careful because the Mm. Americans can be very uh, this is this is black and this is white um so I was very aware over there of being careful of of showing my runes and and having my Mjolnir on display because and the, the thing, the helm of ore, which isn't a Viking symbol. That's another story. You know, the the compass, mm-hmm. the 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 sigil with the oh, the, yeah, yeah. the compass marks um, that everybody think is Viking, but it isn't. Um, that's another one that has been very very heavily used by um, right wing extremists, and a lot of right wing extremists will have it as a tattoo. Um, the 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 compass and the helm of ore. Um, they they use quite heavily as as mm-hmm. right wing 
marks and it marks them out as being right wing. It's almost like if you were a punk wearing a safety pin was a mark of being a punk or mm. a rocker, you wore your leather jacket. If you've got the helm of war tattoo, you're a right wing extremist. And it's mm. how you find each other, really, I guess. Well, it's, it's, I mean, I, I do find it sort of something that was that was done as a it wasn't done in that sort of light is it, is um but then again vikings were said to drink from the skulls of their enemies yeah and there is there is an instance of that in the show vikings where one of the viking um kings the Cunigus, uh, he has his wife's skull um and talks to his wife's skull uh, his first wife's skull um and uses her as a, a kind of a comfort blanket um so there there are but that's not drinking from it. I mean, I, I can almost yeah. understand sort of taking yeah. someone who you love, skull, to keep them close to you, especially especially with a civilization that death was always round the corner. I mean, you know, you, if the only way to go to, in effect, paradise, i.e. Valhalla, was to be killed in battle, you had to know that, ah, I might be dead tomorrow. So yeah. I can kind of understand that almost sort of, not disregard for death, but drinking it's out of someone's skull is kind of the ultimate fu to your enemies, really, yeah. isn't it? But that wasn't it was actually true, was it? They didn't do that, or did they? Mm, there's no documentary evidence. Okay. There's propaganda, because okay. if you think of a lot of the 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 stories we have of the Vikings weren't written by down by the Vikings. They were written down by people who'd just been beaten up by the Vikings. That's what, yeah. Like like the Romans said about the, the woad-wearing barbarians who lived in Scotland, um, they were actually quite civilised people, but the Roman propaganda was they were barbarians and they didn't live in stone houses and they mucked around with their pigs and all that kind of stuff. Well, come on, we, we, we did propaganda in World War One. said Germans ate their babies. Exactly, so exactly. It's, it's, it's yeah. It's, yeah. And I think as, as as a historian, you have to be aware of the propaganda slant that is going to be put down mm. on anybody who writes about their enemies. Mm. The Romans were brilliant at it. Um, the Saxons did it about the Vikings, the raping and the pillaging. Yeah, there was raping and pillaging, but the Saxons did it as much as the Vikings did. Mm. But the Saxons wanted to make the Vikings be these big bad, like bad boys men. Mm. and they didn't want to be invaded by the Vikings. You didn't want a Viking king because they'd eat your babies and rape your women and steal all your good stuff. And it was uh, kind of a, a G up to the Saxons who weren't warriors to come and defend your own land, get them involved in the fight because you didn't want these big Viking rapers and pillagers. You needed to defend your land against them. Uh, but I was thinking when I was reading up on some of the myths, actually how difficult it would be to drink out of a skull <laughs> you've because, got too many holes for a start look, it's not a very that, big cup <laughs> there's that you've got to get the skin off it get the brains that's pretty out easy. of it yeah but get the brains out of it that's pretty easy yeah but they might if you put whatever they drank mead beer whatever it was you pour that in if there's any brains left over it's going to make that taste a bit icky well, the, you you look at some of the things the Vikings ate anyway, and the Saxons okay. ate. They wouldn't be they wouldn't be worried about a bit of body. But the food. holes, like you say, the holes. <laughs> yes. you, you, you'd be tipping it up, and it would just be going every. You'd, you'd waste more than you drink. What is the? I mean, 
there's no point. Think of the standard of the pottery. The pottery is pretty crap, to be yeah. honest. Saxon and Viking pottery is crap. Do you You've not got, find you, remnants in digs and things? Or yes. You do? Really small pieces because it's really crumbly. It's not mm -hmm. like this beautiful Roman pottery right. that's really fine and thin and it's got tiny little bits of temper in it and it's we call it Victorian flower pot It's because it, it's got the same kind of te texture. The Saxon and the Viking pottery was big, thick stuff, very similar to Iron Age pottery. So the biggest bit you find is usually about that big. And you use it three or four times. You put something slightly acidic in it. It starts eating away the pottery because it's not glazed. It's going to fall apart. You think of a skull. You stick a skull outside for about a week. The beetles, the insects, the birds, everything's going to pick it down for you. Stick it in a vat of vinegar. And it's this beautifully smooth, certainly from that bit round to the back. Oh, what, the top of the, the, the sort of eyebrows to the middle of yeah. the skull? Yeah. I mean, this bit from here down, I mean, the bottom jaw falls off anyway as soon yeah. as the ligaments go. From there down to about there. The eyebrows it, down to the nose. It's tiny little bits of bone. So you get a, a hammer to it. That's going to disappear quite quickly. And then you've got a nice smooth cup that fits in the palm of your hand pretty much. I think I'd it's just quite... use a horn. I think if I was going to drink, <laughs> a horn would be much easier. But you can't put a horn down. You have to drain it. Well, they're not using them on the helmets, so they must have <laughs> used them for something. <laughs> They did drink out of horns. Saxons and Vikings did drink out of horns, but yeah. you have to drain it. You well, can't. Like I, say, put a horn I can't down. see that being an issue. <laughs> it's not an issue because the Vikings and the Saxons. This is where we get our binge drinking culture from. Really, it's from the Viking and the Saxon tradition. Um, okay. The Vikings had very good system. If you wanted to make a new law, you had to agree on it, both sober and drunk. Okay. So you had a meeting and like you were all that. sober as judges and you came up with this brilliant plan. Right. OK, this is the way we're going to do things. You then have a great big piss up. Everybody gets blotto and you then start discussing the business of the day and go, oh, well, you know what Steve said? I thought I think that's a load of bollocks, really. You you thrash it out again and then you go, well, actually, we've come up with a plan. We've set the world to rights. You then have to form another council the next day and come to the same conclusion. So that's how Viking law was made. I, I would love to see a drunk Houses of Parliament. I, it would be brilliant. It would, We'd get it? so much more more logical laws, I think. Probably. But then again, half of them are probably drunk anyway. So, so well, that's, yeah. that's, it's the honest, sober bit like... that would be the problem. <laughs> exactly. That's the only way. <laughs> knowing, knowing they have a very, very heavily subsidised bar in that place. Oh, yes. Um. Wow, it's been absolutely fascinating. Are you? Do you get the chance to do any talks about this kind of stuff around the country or online? Or um, I currently speak. Um, I currently teach for University Magicus, right. which was set up by Patty Negri mm -hmm. um, and um, a few of her friends. And basically, everything spiritual, magical wise, is covered. And I fill the niche of looking at spirituality in relation to archaeology wow. so for instance i've done talks about um uh stonehenge and henge monuments right. long barrows 
um, and their orientation. Um, I've got one coming up looking at um, pagan iconography in wow. Christian churches. Okay. So all the green men that are in churches and shiver gigs. And I've actually found a church with a pentagram, which is really interesting. Have you? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, place in Oxfordshire. Um, okay. There's a pentagram on the outside of the church. Very good. Um, which is, I'm differentiating from the pentacle because it's upside down. The pentagram is upside down, so the point is down, not Oh, yes. That's meant to be demonic, though, isn't it? Well, um, 14th century, they they used it on the outside of a church in Oxford. So... Wonder what the history of that church is. Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I find it really interesting. You're as bad as me. At... You are as <laughs> bad as me. I see something like that. Ooh. Yeah. Lovely. And things like the Shilna gig and the Green Man, it's like, they're so pagan. Yeah. They are so pagan. Why are they accepted in Christian churches when they're such a pagan symbol? So um, I'm that that talk, the research for that talk has turned into initially um, uh, uh, an article that I'm writing for the, his, the, the Haunted magazine. OK. And I thinking I'm going to end up with way, way too much material for just an article. So I'll probably do an article and then. I'm looking at writing a book on um, pagan echoes in Christianity. Oh. So all Very the things that we mentioned about Christmas and yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And what about any in person? If people want, if people want to meet you in person, how do they? Um, I've got one coming up in February in Birmingham at the Collingwood okay. Centre, um, and I'm actually speaking about using the moon phases to um, amp up the energy for your spell work. Mm -hmm. um i'm speaking at the haprc paramete me too yeah so we get the plug in for both of us there oh yeah <laughs> um i will be at the um festival unexplained again me too <laughs> are you following um, me oh well yeah i think we... <laughs> i'm a stalker <laughs> at least i recognize um, you this time <laughs> hopefully <laughs> depends how much wine you've had to drink <laughs> uh, trust me i'm doing that all day history event at the the, the festival of the um, unexplained on the friday i ain't gonna be drinking i'll be i'll be too it was bad enough just doing the one hour talk at bosworth last time doing a whole day of talking and history wow. i'm gonna have to be very very sober because otherwise <laughs> i will forget everything and make it all up nobody will will know anyway <laughs> possibly you will <laughs> well there's a couple of you who will oh okay <laughs> or at least no bits of it like that's not how i remember it yeah <laughs> yeah oh that's a different slant on it i hadn't looked at it like that <laughs> well the fact that i've just compared valhalla to a rugby game i mean who else do you expect to come up with that kind of a sort of comparison well, yeah, it's 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 a good comparison. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, Birmingham. I'm always open to invitations. If if there's anybody out there that I I, I talk about anything from doing magic, um, the pagan wheel of the year, through to archaeology and history, linking in with the spirituality, um, my Norse Saxon roots in that. Um, I also draw on my police training. Um, mm -hmm. The paramites are actually talking about how to do a proper interview of a witness. Oh. So using witness interview techniques to get the best out of paranormal 
experiences. So we're not talking thumb screws and spotlights. <laughs> well, spotlights might no, no, <laughs> no. Proper police witness interview techniques. Mm. Um, how to get somebody to recall details they don't really remember that they recall. So, it's almost like a version, almost like a hypnosisy type thing to get them to dig into the deep conscious. Yeah. Yeah. It's the way of questioning, mm. the way you phrase the questions and the stages you take them through gets them to the point where they do a free recall. Then you start digging a bit further and then things start. They remember stuff that they hadn't realised they remember. Cool. So Very interesting. Well, if you want to follow Liz, what's your Facebook page? Uh, Liz Leguinis Cormel. L-E-G-W-Y-N-I-S. I've been meaning to ask this. Where's the Leguinis thing? That's my pagan name. Okay. Witches have a. It used to be a secret witch's name. Right. So, um, but obviously these days people are a bit more open about being pagan. So Leguinis has always been my witch's name. So um, were you given that, or did you choose it? I was given it in meditation. Okay. So it's it's not a name that you pick for yourself. You're given it in either somebody calls it you or you're given it in a dream or a meditation. It, it means it's trouble. a mixture of Welsh and Norman. I would so have said, well, yeah, it sounded Welsh. I'd say I think mine would be trouble because that's what I seem to get called all the time. <laughs> mine actually means the white one, but I am actually a grey witch. So <laughs> it's a bit of a misnomer. <laughs> okay. I thought, I've been meaning to ask you about that for years where that came from. Because I thought, yes, say I thought sort of Welsh, Southwest, Cornish kind of. Yeah, Gwyn is white in Welsh. Okay. Well, so if you want to follow Liz, go and check out her page. Um, I will be tagging it, obviously, on the um, Facebook adverts for this podcast. But on that, thank you ever so much for being my guest, Liz. I think we could have talked probably for at least another hour. <laughs> oh, easily. <laughs> um, but I have to go and collect a child from school shortly. So I can't, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that was that was really really interesting and um i do look forward to hearing your talk at the paramete in september thank you seeing you at the festival no harassing me on my history bit on the friday are you there for the whole thing so you're there on the friday yes. right no harassing me and correcting me no no, no. we'll throw things at you <laughs> <laughs> no i'll be good i promise i won't, well, I won't you don't know where we're going yet so you, you won't find out until the day I've I've got multi talented. I've I've got all sorts of things up here. <laughs> well, like I say, we're not telling anyone where the history tour is on the Friday. Mm. They won't find out until we get there. Nice, exciting. Yeah, no pressure <laughs> on me. Um, yeah. So I will see you there. But if you want to yes. follow, follow Liz, go and find her on her. What is it? The University of University Magicus. Thank you, University Magicus. With a K. Or just drop her a message on Facebook and yeah. she will point you in the right direction. As you can yeah. hear, she is a font of knowledge. <laughs> and I've learned a lot myself. And I always love doing podcasts when I learn stuff because you Thank can you. never know too much. No. Well, yeah, I'm I'm a phone a friend for most people, I think. <laughs> I am Mine of useless yeah. information <laughs> about all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah, quiz show comes on telly, husband goes challenge, see who wins. And it's just like, really? You really want to put yourself through that? Yeah. Have a good evening. Sleep tight. And don't worry too much about things that go bump in the night. <laughs>